This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging, so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen and Main to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen and Main, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. Dorothy Shane is a mixed-media artist who, in a short period of time, has already made a real career out of her truly beautiful and unique art. As a left-brain person, it's taken a lot to cultivate and enhance my creativity, so I had a lot of questions for Dorothy about her creative process and learned quite a lot through this conversation. The menswear market is crowded, and I knew that going in, but I have so much respect for artists who go all-in on their talent to build a career in potentially the most crowded market there is. Anyone can call themselves an artist. Few can make something really valued out of a career in it. I loved hearing how Dorothy internalized the lessons from Danny Myers setting the table about really owning the touch points and relationships in her world to create a memorable experience and story for her customers and art. She also has a unique perspective and approach to her morning routine. 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of reading, and writing down 10 things she's grateful for and these have helped keep her sane on a very tough journey of building a career out of her art. This was a really different conversation in many ways, while being so very similar to conversations with more traditional business founders. I was fortunate to have it, and I hope you find value in listening to it. You can support the amazing work she's doing for cancer survivors via her Instagram. I just bought one of the commemorative scarves after hearing the story behind the initiative. Please check out her work at www.dorothyshane.com and that's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-S-H-A-I-N or visit her on Instagram at Dorothy underscore Shane. Enjoy. Dorothy, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really excited to have our first artist on the podcast and really eager to hear a little bit more about your journey and what you're doing in the months and years ahead. For context, can you give a little bit of your background for our listeners? Sure. Um, well, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm um, super appreciative and excited and excited for to listen to your podcast in the future. And um, I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas, um, but I am originally from Greenville, South Carolina, which is where I live now. Um, after college, I in college, I guess I studied art, um, and kind of went a different path after college and worked for nonprofit. Um, and eventually got to a point, um, in late 2014, um, where I decided I wanted to pursue, pursue a full-time career as an artist. Excellent. And so is it materializing as you had hoped or taking a little bit longer 
what's the journey been like uh, since you decided to take that plunge? So it's been definitely a wild ride for sure. Um, The I guess you know the first I'm three and a half years in. um, So my first like official show as an artist, as a full time artist, was in January of 2015, Um, and it it really kind of just started as figuring out what I wanted to do, what I was interested in, in college. I feel you feel like you always have a lot of direction and guidance from a professor. So it was really hard kind of trying to figure out what you liked without, without having someone tell you what to do um, and what kind of figuring out what people responded to. So it definitely took a while. I think it, in three and a half years, it has gone in a direction I couldn't have even dreamed uh, about, um, which I'm so grateful for. I feel like every day opening my inbox, is a, it feels like Christmas. You just never know what, what opportunity is going to land in your inbox or who, who might cross your path. Um, so it's, it's truly been a dream, a, definitely a hard dream and a learning dream, but it's been amazing. And to give a little bit more context for those who uh, are just coming across the work that you do for the first time, um, you do a number of different types of form forms of art. Can you describe the different types of art that you do? Yeah. So I, I, I'm basically a mixed media artist. I work in all mediums from oil painting to collage to um, gouache, which is kind of like a watercolor, but um, a heavier version um, to watercolor and ink. So I really play in all materials. um, And my work is very travel inspired. Travel has been a big part of my life. Um, So for me, inspiration really comes when I take a trip or I go visit someone. And for me, I've kind of learned it really comes from the mountains or from the coast. and so what ends up happening is I'll go somewhere and come back and create artwork based on um, somewhere I've been. And that's been really cool because I feel like a lot of my clients and people who end up purchasing my work are usually have usually had some sort of connection with the place. So they feel connected to my work in that way, which has been cool to hear the stories from that end as well. And, and how, do you, how do you sell your work? So I sell my work um, primarily through myself um, because I guess starting from the beginning as an artist, there's so many different routes you can go. You can be represented by a gallery. You can sell your work online. You can sell it through an art art rep. Um, but a lot of those other avenues take a large percentage and that can be 50% or more. Um, and so I found for myself that if I can keep a hundred percent of the profit, um, it ultimately, I hope will create a more sustainable career that I can continue with for the hope for the, you know, foreseeable future. Um, and I do work with a couple galleries that I really respect. I work with one here in Greenville and then I work, um, with one in Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Um, but I primarily work, uh, sell my fine art through myself, unless it's a product that I've created through a collaboration. And for all the new people who've discovered uh, your story today, where would they go buy your work directly? They would be able to buy my um, fine art, like the original paintings through my website, which is just my name, www.dorseyshane.com. Great. So, um, Let's let's hop into. Uh, I, I push you a little bit on the the background right out of the gate, but I'm curious okay. to hear a little bit more on really you getting started and, and making that leap. I hear from a lot of people okay. interested in entrepreneurship or pursuing their passion. You know, how did you make that choice to to go all in? What was it that moment that you said I'm going to do it? You obviously have a background in art. This wasn't some random deviation in your career. But in those first few um, days where you were thinking through, I I really want to go do this full time. I want this to be my future. What happened? How did you, what pushed you forward? Were there pieces of feedback that you got or did you um, talk to somebody about it and leave that conversation inspired? I'd love to hear a little bit more about your decision to move into full-time artist. Sure. Um, So I guess it starts kind of a funny story, um, but I also 
was a human rights minor. And so when I was in college, I had the opportunity to travel to Rwanda um, and take this whole trip learning about human rights issues there. And so and after that, I ended up going abroad on a program called Semester at Sea um, and spent a semester traveling the world. And so really got back from those two experiences um, and had this kind of like come to Jesus moment where I just realized I did not want to work in a traditional job. Um, and being an art major, I think that was really hard because you you go to college and you don't I feel like my dad asked me from the beginning, he was like, well, what do you, what exactly do you do if you're an art major? And I was like, you know, I don't know, but I think I'll figure that out my senior year. And I remember sitting down with my professor and just being like, what are my options? Like, where can I go? And he said, you know, you can be a teacher, which I have so much respect for teachers. I just, it was not a fit for me. And he said, you could work for a museum and be a curator or a gallery and just nothing, none of those really spoke to my soul. And I knew that um, I was passionate also about human rights. And so after college, I actually ended up moving to Washington, D.C. Um, for a couple years and worked for a couple of nonprofits there. And while the work was definitely rewarding, you feel connected to a cause. I think I just had this, I knew I had like this creative energy inside of me that was not getting used. Um, and I think it was just, honestly, it was driving me crazy. So I, at the time, I think my outlet was cooking. Um, so I did a lot of like cooking and writing about what I, I wanted a food blog or, um, it was just my creative outlet outlet at the time. Um, and then after DC, I actually ended up through my job there, finding my way back to Charleston, South Carolina, because I wanted to be near my family. Um, but not necessarily in a town where I grew up. Um, and Charleston just had such an amazing creative scene that includes like amazing chefs, amazing entrepreneurs, um, all these startup companies, all of these artists that are doing pursuing art full time. Um, and so when I moved there, I was actually working for, I worked for a magazine for a hot minute, just as kind of an entry job to get my my feet in the door in Charleston. And then I moved to work for a nonprofit. And it was so funny because I feel like I was already kind of experiencing, you know, I, I love the cause, but I, I really hated cube life. I was just going insane. Cube life. Um, love it. And I was like, Oh, I was, <laughs> cube life. I was really struggling. Yep. Um, and, and I just, I couldn't, I just, I, one night I went home and I think something just exploded inside of me. Like I, I was, especially with social media, you see what's going on around you. Um, and I'm thankful because I landed in the city that has so much creative energy and I was getting to see all these people doing what they love full time. Um, and so I started painting kind of just in my bedroom floor when I got home from work, just not even thinking about it. Um, and I really hadn't picked up a brush since college. Wow. Why did you, why do you think you didn't pick up a brush since college? What what was behind that? Did you just feel like it wasn't art wasn't what you wanted it to be and you just couldn't do it at all if you weren't all in? I think for me it really was it was like I didn't know there were options. I didn't know that I knew you could, if, you know if you had a design degree you could be a graphic designer, but as a painter which my my what my background was in, I just didn't know it was an option. Um, so for me, I always kind of thought of it as God, you know, it's, it is my passion. It's my, it's who I am, but I have to find something else. It's not a career choice. So I think for me, it was just like, oh, this will just be kind of a hobby. Interesting. So, um, you hadn't picked up a brush since college. I interrupted you and you, you, you did what happened next. <laughs> so this is kind of where the story gets funny. Um, so a nonprofit the one I was working for at the time, um, they hired me for a communications role. And I think, you know, it's probably bad on both of our parts because I went into the job thinking that I love to write and edit. And I was in actuality, I'm an art major and I'm not good at details. And so I think we both 
the company I was working for, we both had a sit down one day and they were like, Hey, look, this is like not a fit, is it? And I think I was so devastated and I was so embarrassed because I'm such a people pleaser. Yeah. Um, and so it was really like basically getting fired. Um, but they were nice, they were nice about it and said, you know, you can keep this job until you find something else. Um, and so I think I just, I just remember that day going, I was so, I left early. I was so embarrassed and I just sobbed in my car and I think that night I was like, after talking to friends and family and wondering what I was going to do, I think finally I said something to a family member and I was like, I want to do art. And then I think that's when the crazy comments started to begin. <laughs> what what kind of crazy comments? What do you mean? I think um, just, just, People were just questioning, as I did at the time too, but, oh my gosh, art, what do you mean? You want to sell your art full time? You want to be an artist? Like, how how will that financially work? How how do you get your name out there? Like, is that even a thing? Um, so that's kind of, and that's kind of where I was too. Like, it, I think it was kind of a confidence issue as well. Huh. Well, obviously it's turned out in the right direction. So, um, let's, let's skip ahead to that's, that's really, uh, amazing to hear how much of a departure you'd taken from something, obviously you're so passionate about and, and so talented in, and now you're back to it. So you decide you want to do it. Um, you obviously don't need to learn how to go paint you you do that and you do that. Well, what, what happens to go figuring out how you want to sell? And you talked earlier about there's so many different ways that people can take a lot of money from artists. Um, but you said you wanted to do it direct and you obviously started yeah. a website. And as you mentioned earlier, there are so many different mediums that you can do. What, what was it that made you decide the type of art that you want to do? Because you obviously have a very distinct and unique style, um, scrolling through your Instagram and looking through Thank your you. different products. It's absolutely beautiful. And I, I haven't seen anything oh. like it. Um, Thank you so much. How do you decide this is the type of, of art that Dorothy Shane makes? So it actually, so when I took the plunge, I actually had a lot of kind of like just to call them side gigs to make the dream work, I guess. Um, and so one of those at the time was I was doing some freelance work for um, the South Beach Food and Wine Festival that was in uh, Miami. And so I was on a trip, you know, I was literally just running from tent to tent, like checking on people. I did not have a big role whatsoever, but it was the first time I had been to South Beach. And um, all of a sudden while I was there, I was like, you know what, I, I was running to all these different hotels to check on all these events. And they're so inspired by like the art deco period. Um, and so I kind of just like, while I was, running around stopped and was like, Oh my gosh, I feel so inspired. And it's, that was kind of the first place that these swimsuits, which are um, paintings of swimsuits, which sell really well for me. That's kind of where those were born. Um, And it it was kind of another come to Jesus moment that made me realize like, God, I love to travel. I love to go. I love to see new places. These things can really inform my art and then people really feel connected to it because oftentimes the places I love, there's somewhere else in the, someone else in the world who, who loves those places as much as I do. And, and the bathing suit theme, as you say, you were in Miami, obviously there's a lot of bathing suits in Miami. Did it come, (laughs) did it come lightly to you at first? And then you said, gosh, there's really something here or was it, um, you were doing a lot of different things and someone gave you feedback and you really started to lean in heavier into that type of uh, theme throughout your, your artwork. Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, I was just thinking, I get really into like these periods of time in history. And so I was like, so into like that art deco period and like women's swimsuits and like the forties and fifties. And so I was kind of, envisioning like what was going on in Miami at that time. And so I just started playing with these little 
sketches in my studio. And honestly, I wasn't thinking anything of it. I um, was just, I feel like there, it takes so much play in the studio to finally get to a piece that works. Um, and so I think they were up on my wall and someone walked in and bought them. Um, and I feel like that's kind of how it got started because I would put new ones up on my wall and someone would purchase them. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe we're on to something. We, we have struck a chord. So when I, when I (laughs) look through some of your other work, um, the, the, uh, Southern California collection, um, I've always been curious with artists with something like the La Jolla Cove. Do you take Mm -hmm. a picture and then go home and not, obviously you're not reproducing it, but do you use a physical picture of a space or do you kind of take it all in and then go back to the studio and recreate it in your mind? It's kind of a mix of everything. So a lot of times when I'm traveling, I, for me, I love playing with cameras and um, photography. So I always am taking pictures. Um, if I have time and if I have the materials there, there I'll always do a quick sketch um, because those are always fun to come back to the studio with. But for me, what really ends up happening is I come back to the studio I sit down and I have all those photos. I have the sketches, but really it's like, I I feel like those moments of my trip that stand out, they're like ingrained in my brain. So I'm usually putting my own spin on whether it's, you know, I might reference a photo, but it was like this, a certain, the time I was there was, it was a certain hour. The sky was really pink. I didn't, it didn't come out in my photo, but I remember how I felt while I was there and, Um, So I feel like I almost try to capture like the memory of how I experienced it. It's probably good inspiration for all of us who just want to take pictures everywhere we go to just let it be a memory and how you feel and how you're inspired by it rather than the the next picture for Instagram, right? For sure. Absolutely. So, um, when you're traveling and when you're doing this work, I'm, I'm curious as an artist, and, and someone who you eventually need to sell that work and keep funding the work that you're doing and building your career. Mm-hmm. How often do you feel that pressure of, I need to make more art to sell more work versus you allow the work to come to you and, and it that's a better way for you to um, produce the next thing that you'd like to sell? Because I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, you do a fair bit of work that you decide, I don't want to sell this. This is for me or for nobody or for family. And these are the things mm-hmm. that I want to sell. And I, I'm fascinated to hear that part of the the journey of the business side of art as well. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So I've I made a rule for myself about two years ago that I try to keep, give myself one piece of work a year. So if I'm making something and something really speaks to me, then I'll keep it. But um, I try to I try to not keep more than one piece, and I guess my reasoning behind that is really while I'm connected to all of my work, I really want my career to be sustainable. And right now, for me, fine art and selling original pieces is kind of the bread and butter of my business. And hopefully, one day that will change and kind of morph. Um, so right now, for me, when when I send something out the door, it's more of like, I'm, I feel like I'm cheering about it. <laughs> um, I get really excited and it, cause it's kind of, it's funding the journey, I guess. It's, uh, I can't imagine producing the quality and the quantity of the work that you do and, and saying, I get to pick one, what a unique experience that would be. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely tricky cause you feel connected to them all, but Sometimes I just hide something and make sure it doesn't get photographed or doesn't yeah. go on my website so that I can just keep it. <laughs> um, so moving, moving into the, the next part, um, when I do these interviews, I, I ask founders how they talk about and define and defend their culture in terms of uh, a growing team. As an mm-hmm. artist, I'm curious how you um, define your work on an ongoing basis and make sure that you don't drift into that, well, I just need to make something again, rather than, as right. we were talking about a second ago, just the work that you produce based on what you're inspired by. Right. Um, I guess here, 
art is such a funky business um, because for me at least, you really, your clients and the people who are who find your work and become connected to it, it's really, it becomes more, um, I guess, less like selling a product and you're really selling your story and you're selling this trip that they relate to for some reason or, and a lot of times people will send you the story about why they're buying the piece, which I always find really interesting um, and special. I just, I feel like I always file those in a special email folder because I'm like, ah, for them to take the time to sit down and send me why they're buying this piece. I think that's always cool. Um, but I guess it really, for, for my business, my culture, I feel in my small business and I'm, I'm a pretty much a team of three. It's myself. Um, I have a business manager who helps me two days a week and then an intern. Um, but it really becomes about like relationships because you really want those clients on board who will be on board with you through every series you make. And they might not love every series, but it's, um, it's, it's kind of like, I guess if you're a musician, you have people from the beginning who stick around forever. Um, so I really want to make sure I foster those relationships and definitely grow new ones, but uh, make sure people feel less like they're just buying a product and they'll, you know, buy it once and never hear from that company again. I really like to make sure like I touch base with them. If, I, if they're local, grab coffee, take them to lunch, go have a drink. Um, because I just, for me, I found that those relationships really build, build my business and, um, they're a big part of who I am as well. I read on your Instagram that, uh, when you think about relationships, one of your pieces of advice for those pursuing creative careers around gratitude and, and write thank you notes. Uh, how often do you write a note in everything or do you write them in, in select pieces how do you approach that? Because that was something I did for the first two years, almost two years of Mizzen and Maine. Oh, you um, did? Wrote a note in every single box that went out the door. And um, most days, <laughs> in early early startup days, that wasn't too bad. It was a couple. Um, but then when we had big days, my hand got pretty sore at the end of the day. And that was a, a good oh sign. Gosh. So I know some people still yeah. have those notes and I love hearing about that. Talk to me about how, how you approach that because that's a big part of who you are. Well, that's amazing that you did that. Um, I, I'm such a believer in thank you notes and I just, I think that's so cool. I, I'm still, I'm, so I'm three and a half years in, so I am busy, but I still have, it's still manageable to write notes. Um, so usually in original works, I always try to write a, write a handwritten thank you note. Prints, we have gotten a little bit on the busier side. So usually we have kind of a, a note that I've already crafted um, and then I sign each one. And if it's, you know, someone, someone I've met before, I always try to kind of connect the dot and just add a little extra message in there. Um, but something hand touched, I feel like at least in every, every package I try to send out the door for sure. That's wonderful. So um, as your dad asked you, how do you, how do you make money as an artist? Um, when you got going, uh, one of the unique things that people who start their own careers or, or founders do is oftentimes have to go quite a while with either out without paying themselves at all or um, making far less than they could should they show up in nine to five, um, pretty normal career. Mm -hmm. um, what was that journey like for you? How long did you go before you could feel like I can either start paying myself or I can live a little bit more comfortably right. than um, waiting for it to change? I would probably say it took about two years to really get get comfortable um get in a situation where i was able to pay my bills and um and i'm so so grateful and thankful that i had my my parents were able to kind of help me get started and um get the materials going which art materials can get really get to be really expensive um, and shipping costs and kind of getting the website built and all of that. So it really, it really took about two years and I had side, a lot of side gigs from nannying to <laughs> teaching art classes yep. to all sorts to kind of supplement. Um, but I think 
big thing for me from the beginning is my parents were so supportive and they believed in me and that I think that kind of fed this attitude of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so appreciative of their support of me getting started and like if I needed a helping hand with materials or something, but really I feel like it fed me to be like, okay, I will make this work. And like, I'm not taking no as an answer. Like I want to like show them how appreciative I am of giving me the opportunity to give this a go. That is a very fortunate position to be in. Very, very lucky. I very supportive parents early on that um, really made me confident that it would be okay. And thankfully it it ended up being okay. But um, knowing that is a, is a very uh, significant blessing in life. So um, yes, amen to that. Absolutely. When you think about kicking off this journey, um, is there someone or were there a group of people who really inspired you to, whether it's strike out on your own or pursue your artistic endeavors, who do you look up to or, or who really helped you um, jump into this? And it can be someone you know, or it can be a famous person who you've looked up to for a while. So this is so crazy and not art related at all. But when I worked for the company um, I was with in Washington, DC called No Kid Hungry, um, one of the, their main people on their board was Danny Meyer. um, And he is a restaurateur who started Shake Shack and um, Gramercy Tavern in New York and tons more restaurants. but he has this book and it's called setting the table. And at my job, he would come and do kind of hospitality training. Um, And so I read his book and his whole thing about his restaurants and um, I guess working with clients in any way, shape or form is he has all these touch points and he connects the dots and he's all about really forming the relationships and making people feel really special and taken care of and um, just making sure those relationships are fostered. And so I feel like I read his book and immediately when I started doing art for, for my career, I was like, God, you know what? I'm going to put his spin on everything. Like no one who walks in my inbox. And at the time, I think the only person in my inbox was my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Hey mom. (laughs) But I was like, I'm going (laughs) to, Hey mom. I was like, I want everyone to feel special and I want them to know that they're funding this journey and they are a vital part of, of what's happening. And I hope they'll stay on for, I hope it's not just a one-time thing, but I hope they come to shows and reach, reach out and we can touch base when I'm traveling. So he was a, he's a huge inspiration for me. Um, There's also an artist, her name is Ashley Longshore she lives in new Orleans and she has just completely killed it in terms of selling art. Um, and so she's someone I look up to a lot as well. Do either of them know the impact that they've had on you? I don't think so. Okay. So for anybody listening, if you have a way to tell Danny Meyer or Ashley Longshore (laughs) that they are the reason that Dorothy Shane is, is doing so well and jumped into this, please let them know. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I will see. We'll see what happens. Um, that would be awesome. So, um, in, in doing a little bit of, uh, a background and, and getting to better understand your journey, I've seen you, you just, I hate to say it this way, you ooze gratitude. It's, it's amazing to see how, how happy and, and joyous you are on this journey and how grateful you are to the people who that's support so you. Nice. And, and I think thank that's you. probably one of the things that helps keep you sane on this tough journey of starting your own initiative and how complicated and, and up and down the art world can be. Are there other things that you do in your day to day to, to stay sane? Yes, for sure. So like you, I know you were saying you, you're, you love podcasts and listening to them. Um, so I feel like I always started a while ago, started listening to all these podcasts and reading these books about how morning rituals were such a vital part of um, a lot of CEOs mornings and all these really successful people have these kind of elements of their mornings that they practice every day. Um, and I've always been very into like yoga and mindfulness. Um, but I really started 
trying in the mornings and I'm not perfect. I definitely pick up my phone some mornings and let go straight to Instagram. Um, but the thing that keeps me grounded, if I can do it, um, is really taking time in the morning to have like a little meditation app that I try to do 10 minutes of meditation. I try to read 10 pages of a book before I look at my phone. And then I try to have a little journal where I jot down 10 really simple things off the top of my head that I'm grateful for. Um, and if I can start my days with that, I feel so much more grounded and less flustered than just waking up, checking my email and running out the door. That resonates in a, in a significant way for me. Do you use Headspace? Which app do you use? I, I love Headspace. I used to use that. And then now I use one called Insight Timer. Okay. And what makes that different from Headspace? Um, they have the option to, so you can do guided meditations or you can do just, they have all these like sounds that you can do without a guided meditation. Um, so it's like almost like just background music. And it's just very soothing. <laughs> so I usually do just a basic one like that. Um, but I really like it. I There's have so many not, good ones out there. I've not been able to really uh, do my meditation in the morning because I find that I will fall right back asleep. How do you stay awake getting uh, up early and then hopping right back into a meditation? It's hard. It's definitely really hard. I feel like I always, the first thing I try to do when I get out of bed in the morning is go make like a big cup of lemon water, hmm. hot lemon water. So I like brew tea, I like put kettle on the stove. I'm so like, I'm an old school nerd. I love <laughs> like the ritual of doing that. And then, so I feel like that gives me at least 10 minutes to like get up and get moving. So I don't fall back asleep, but it's hard to do for sure. And the books that you read, do you nonfiction or fiction or just anything to keep you out of hopping right into email or Instagram? Usually it's um, nonfiction and and it's usually a business related book because I feel like I get really if I can like touch an idea or something in the in one of those books I get really like fueled and excited before I start my day in the studio. Yep. Um. So I it, usually it's like a business kind of idea book. Excellent. So. Um... I like that, that 10, 10, 10 to get your morning started. Um, if nothing yeah. else, it just makes it. I didn't it... even realize that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like that it, it gets you in the frame of reference of it's easy to do those things. And if you read 10 pages, usually you can probably keep going and read some more. Absolutely. So you mentioned um, you like to travel and I would imagine you like to read while traveling. If you could go somewhere for a month and just leave it all behind and, and for you as an artist, maybe you want to paint while you're, um, while you're away, but where would you go for a full month away from it all? For a full month away, I think I would probably go somewhere along the California coast. Um, I just feel like every time I'm out there, I just, I like it's instant inspiration for me. I think it's just so different landscape wise. Um, from where I grew up that every, I'm just like constantly mind blown. Um, so I would love to spend a month like in a place like Big Sur or, um, Santa Barbara, somewhere like that. It is such a beautiful area. Every time I'm in California, I wonder why I don't live here. And then my friends who live there tell me how much they pay in taxes. And then I remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they live in a, they live in a one bedroom studio that is the same as oh, a house in Dallas. Well, so um, yeah. it's a tough, <laughs> it's it's a tough trade off. It's crazy. Yeah. So, That's so true. Uh, when you think about, you've obviously had a lot of really great things happen in your, your early career so far, and you get to be inspired by the places that you go, but you've certainly made sacrifices along the way as well. What do you think your biggest sacrifice is at this point? I guess the biggest, I really, it's so funny. Like I don't, I don't really know if I, there are a ton of sacrifices I've made. Um, I just feel like art is so integrated with my life and like, there's no, I guess the one, I guess one sacrifice is like, there's no cutoff at a regular job. You can turn it off at five o'clock and go home. Um, not always, but sometimes. And I think with art, it's, 
it's literally who I am. And so, and my business is who I am. And so I think there's no off switch, which I'm sure drives some people in my life insane. Um, because I'm always thinking about it or even if I meet someone in a completely not art related setting, all of a sudden my wheels start turning and I'm talking about art or, um, so I feel like there, it's hard to, to really cut it off. It's one of the blessings and curses of this world, but that's why you got to meditate in the morning and be able to, Amen. Yeah, to reset. Totally. It's, uh, I, yes. when, I don't remember who it was that, that, made me start meditating, but uh, I don't do it enough. Uh, I wish I forced myself to do it even more, but I've been blown away by how much it can help um, really just reset my my day, my mind. Um, and, yeah. and I've also found a friend of mine introduced me to um, a new app called Moment, and it tracks Ooh, okay. every moment of screen time on your phone. And oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, and... It's scary sounding. It's actually shocking. I was using my phone three and a half to four hours a day, and that's um, that's all in. Um, but oh I gosh. I downloaded this app and I've I've started using it, and um, it, knowing that I'm being tracked has helped me stop reaching for it just out of habit or boredom that might exist. Right. And I I don't count phone calls because uh, that that is what a phone should be. Um, but really right. every, every other moment of screen time is tracked. And since installing this a week ago, I've cut my phone usage down uh, 75%. And I actually feel a Whoa. new breath of clarity in my mind and my day to day. It's been really remarkable. Oh my gosh. I'm downloading that when I hang up the phone. Yep. Moment. Now it's tough because you're an artist and there's a purpose for Instagram for you. And certainly in, in building Mizzen in Maine, you know, there's things I need to do, but I just find if I need to do it, I should go do that and do what I need to do rather than just scroll yeah. mindlessly. And yeah. while there's some oh, yeah. good things that come from that, generally it's it's a waste of my time. Um, so Oh, 100%. I'm so ADD. So that Instagram can literally suck me, suck me down a rabbit hole. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of great content out there. It also can just be a waste of that time. So Yeah, um, for sure. When you think about, you said you've been at this um, uh, for a couple of years now, and it really kind of took a few years before it started to go. Were there one or two things that happened that really started to tip the scales in your favor and, and you started to see that success start to roll in? I, I think there were, for me, I think there have been kind of two moments that really got the kind of got the ball rolling. Um, the first being I was, living in Charleston had just taken, had my first art show. Um, I was probably three or four months into taking this full-time plunge and I was actually in between living situations. So I had just, um, put all of my stuff in storage and I was, or not in storage. I'm sorry. I had hired movers. I was moving to a new house with some roommates and last minute the, um, the room fell through. And so I was kind of left without a living situation. And luckily my hometown is not far from Charleston. Um, and so it was kind of a fate, a fate situation, but I had a friend who lives in Venice beach in California call me and she was like, this is kind of random. And I don't know if you'd be interested, but would you ever, I have a roommate moving out in a month before the next one moves in. Would you ever want to come out here for a month and paint? And so wow. I, I didn't even think. And I said, yep, I'll done. Like, let me know. I'll pay my rent. Uh, just let me know. So I took a month and um, went and lived in Venice Beach at her apartment. And I think it was like this. I had this big turning point when I was there because I was so far from home and just started this new career and I got there and I was like, God, like, is it even possible to like, how am I going to do this from here? Was this a really stupid decision I just made? And all of a sudden I just carved out the space in her house and I got to work on all the commit, the couple, couple commissions I had. And I had a couple um, collaboration opportunities that were paid come through. And I just, 
made it happen. And it was like this first time I had a realization that, oh my gosh, I can do this from anywhere. Like I can do my job. It, I don't need to be at a studio in Charleston or a studio in Greenville. The more I travel and, and the more I can do this other places, all it's really just helping, it's helping your network grow and your exposure to a different, different person happen. Um, so I feel like that was number one breakthrough moment for me. And then what happened? You said there was a second moment where things really started to, to uptick for you. Yes. So on, on that, during that month, um, one night we were out to dinner just with a huge group of people. And I was, I got, I was sitting next to a friend of a friend and we were just chatting and, um, she was telling me how she was an assistant for, um, the actress Mindy Kaling. And I was just like immediately blown away. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love her so much. And I'm so new at what I was like my whole art gig. And so I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just what, like, what are my chances? And I was like, you know what? If she ever needs art for anything, you just let me know. And I think this girl was probably like, you're crazy. Um, Maybe. But it was, it was so funny. A year later, she reached out to me and was like, Hey, I, um, Mindy's actually redoing her house. She's working with this interior designer who has been, you know, this, her name's Katie Ritter. She's based in New York and she's been in house beautiful and all of these design magazines, top list of designers. Um, and so Mindy commissioned a piece of work for one of her rooms in her house. Um, and she ended up posting it to Instagram, wow. which I think in six hours brought in, I think 6,000 followers. Whoa. Um, and for, for someone who was so little, I think I just sat and I literally sat in the chair and I just watched it because it just was mind blowing to me that someone it's it's crazy how much influence someone like an act a celebrity has and they can change someone else's life and just by like posting a photo. Yeah. That's, that's so truly extraordinary. That, that really, I feel like all of a sudden after that things really started going, like, I feel like it was almost like, okay, well you've worked with this designer. You've, you have a piece in this person's house. Now, now we take you seriously. And I don't know if that's the truth or not, but I feel like that's when things really got moving. Wow. That, uh, and did you know it was coming or it just happened? I knew it was coming, but it was so funny. I didn't know when and her assistant, I think we were, we were both trying to plan the certain date and I got a text from her assistant and she was like, do you care if she does it now? She's standing beside me and she just says she wants to do it now. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay, sure. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so um, looking ahead, where do you see this going in, in 10 years, um, or, or longer, I assume given the plunge that you've taken and what inspires you and moves you that you always want to do this. Um, but what do you see, how do you see the business of Dorothy Shane growing in the years ahead? I think I really have goals of things growing, growing big. And for me right now, I think I mentioned earlier, like my bread and butter is, is selling fine art. Um, but I have, I feel like I have this entrepreneurial spirit spirit that kind of makes, drives me to find other ways. So I think eventually in 10 years, I would love to have showrooms where I'm maybe have a studio in the back or, um, or something like that, but really showing tech lines of textiles and wallpapers and, custom tiles that all utilize my work, but just in other, other forms. And I would love to have kind of a national scale in terms of that, I guess. So if you, knowing that, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing at the beginning of this journey of being an artist, or perhaps maybe all the way back to in college where you walked away from, from this, what would the one thing that you would tell yourself be? Um, to you, uh, hmm. one thing I would tell myself would be 
when you hear negative comments about what you're doing, instead of letting them, taking them to heart and letting them get you down, just find a way to let them fuel your fire. So as you, uh, that's a, that's a tremendously positive um, thing to look back and tell yourself. Um, retrospectively as well, do you have a, a single biggest regret of, of your journey so far, or again, that delta of time between SMU and where you are now as well? I feel like, I don't know if I have any, I don't think I have regrets because I, I think anything that I've done that was wrong or like a mistake along the way, I think is ultimately, this ultimately sends me in the right direction. Um, so I feel like I just try to make, look at those mistakes as, you know, it's just all part of the, it's all part of the process. It gets you where you need to go. So I don't know if I have any regrets or I just try not to look at them as regrets. Very healthy attitude about that. Um, <laughs> knowing how healthy of an attitude you have about that, um, I'm, I'm eager to hear what brings you the most joy every day? Brings me the most joy. Uh, it's probably at, since I have the opportunity to live in the same town with my family, um, getting to see my family, getting to live in this place that's small enough. I still run into people at the post office and grocery store and anywhere. I just, I feel like that brings me a lot of joy. Um, I'm a huge animal lover. So if I ever am having a rough day, I just, I go love on my parents' dogs who I grew up with. Um, what kind of dogs? So I feel like they have a lab and then they have a labradoodle. <laughs> so it's just so cute and fun. Um, so I feel like those, I, I usually see someone from my family once a day in Greenville. Um, so I feel like that's a, that brings a lot of joy to my life for sure. That's pretty special. I, um, at this point in time, I'm so fortunate, uh, the journey of our company to be able to, if I'm not traveling, which is a lot, um, I have a big push to make sure I'm home every night to spend a little bit of time with my son before he goes down. He's 20 months old. Oh, and uh, unfortunately, oh my, my, my parents don't live in, in, in this town, so I don't get to see them as often. But um, coming yeah. home, he's, he's speaking more and more. And now at this point in time, every day that I come home, I open the door and he screams Dada. And it is uh, indescribably wonderful. And I know there will be a time that that will stop, but soaking up every yeah. minute of that, that is a, a level oh, of joy that awesome. is hard to, um, hard to ever uh, think that anything could be better than that. Um, oh, that's amazing. I love that. So I, uh, I love hearing some of the responses that we've gotten so far um, okay. on on this one, and I embarrass myself regularly enough. I'd love to hear, you don't necessarily, <laughs> you've got your two, two folks that you work with on a regular basis. What yes. would you say your most embarrassing professional moment is? And I don't know if it's around them or you did something perhaps at a show. Uh, what mm -hmm. have you done where you look back and you just almost turn pink with embarrassment? Can it be in another job? Oh, absolutely. Any, anything. Professionally. So I think my, oh, this is awful. This like makes me cringe thinking about it. I'm so excited. But, oh God. One time. And again, like I'm not good with details. I, I like, I'm nitpicky, but like when it comes to art, but when it's things that I'm really not that interested in, like shipping packages and mailing letters, like there's no, there's a, there's something's going to go wrong. And so one time I was working for a magazine doing just admin work and I was just over it. I was so tired and I wanted to go home and I think I had licked a hundred envelopes oh and I was just, God. I was over it. And so I mailed, I was returning products from a photo shoot and somehow I swapped the labels and I put the wrong label on this package that was shipped out. Anyway, I didn't even know what was inside of it. So anyway, a couple weeks later, someone came up to me and was like, hey, do you have the tracking number to this package? And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I do. And I probably didn't save it because I'm just like that. <laughs> and they were like, well, you, that was a 20, I think it was full of jewelry that mm. was worth like $20,000. Oh, no. And 
they were like, yeah, it's like has $20,000 worth of jewelry inside of it. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, and you know, when you get to those points where you don't even have an excuse, you just like, I just, I have no idea. <laughs> and so I was horrified and I ended up getting the UPS numbers cell phone, the man's cell phone. And I was texting him at like 3 a.m. And anyway, two days later, I ended up somehow finding this package. But I was pretty embarrassed because I felt like I looked like a big, a huge ding dong, <laughs> which I was a ding dong. So um, that was pretty embarrassing. I feel like it makes me hot just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I've got it was bad. I've got moments where I, I literally get, as you said, literally get hot when you're thinking about it. Um, it's, it's, that, yeah, it's terrible. It's that painful. Oh my goodness. Um, that was, that it's was very great. bad. Um, so we, we talked about a little bit about it earlier, but do you expect to be selling your art for your entire life? Or do you think at a certain point, um, you'll want to take a break from it to do something else? Um, I think I'll be doing art for the rest of my life, whether it morphs into something else. Um, I'm not sure. I kind of would love for it to morph into something else. Um, because I think a lot of times when you do your, your hobby and your passion as your career, sometimes it can take the fun out of it a little bit. Um, so one day I would love for like a main source of revenue to come from another area that relates and includes my art but just might not be the fine art portion of the business that's very fair and and actually that's a a good question i i saw um or or a good segue i saw you have a a very beautiful scarf and you benefit a wonderful charity i'd love to hear about that as a part of the work that you do oh awesome um so i guess coming from human rights has always been important for me to give back or kind of from day one, I was like, I want to find a way to intertwine, you know, a cause with my art. Um, And so this year we had a fun opportunity. There's a park in Greenville with my hometown um, that a team has over the course of, I think the past seven years has has raised $7 million to build this park. Um, And it's all about honoring people who've been touched by cancer, whether it's family members or survivors. Um, And it's kind of about the power of nature and healing. And um, so we have been able to work with them. They found a sponsor to cover every cent of production costs. Um, And now we are just in the process of selling these silk scarves that we created kind of with elements of the part. Um, And they ordered, I think, 350, and if we can sell all 350 by January 1st, um, which is our goal, all the proceeds go back to the park, and $50,000 will be raised. So wow. that's kind of my goal by January 1st, is to get them all sold. Absolutely wonderful, and I'll make sure to share that out in the show notes as well, where people Thank can you. go go find that. That's that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Love to hear. Love to hear that commitment. Um, so closing, closing question, how do you want mm-hmm. to be remembered? And you can take that in any capacity that, that you'd like to answer it. I think I want to be remembered as a dreamer, someone who just, you know, just aims high and does not back down and hits those goals. Um, and I probably would also love to be remembered as kind of making, as making some sort of impact um, working for a cause of some sort. Beautiful. All right. Well, now we're done being serious and we're going (laughs) to move into the rapid fire question, a series of questions. So answer these as fast as you can. Don't, don't think about it. Just whatever comes to mind. And if you have a interpretation of it, whatever one you'd like is just fine. So, uh, starting off, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Eight. What would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for? Uh, I think I'd want to fly. Okay. Um, but still <laughs> gene editing technology, but still, uh, still the laws of gravity and uh, human oh, body. Cool. Yes. Cool. 
Like if you could be um, taller, change your eye color or something like oh, that. Um, hmm. I would maybe be a little bit shorter so I can wear high heels without being like Shrek's height. <laughs> How tall are you? I'm like, I'm five, eight and a half. Okay. That's not that tall. Um, my wife's the same height and she's not <laughs> Shrek like when she wears high heels. So, um, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book? Um, favorite nonfiction is definitely setting the table by Danny Meyer fiction book. I just, uh, what is my favorite fiction book? Um, when I was little, I really loved where the red fern grows. (laughs) Where the red fern grows. Great. And, uh, Uh don't, don't worry. We, uh, we all have favorite books that we can't remember. It happens with a lot (laughs) in our brains. Um, what is your daily music? I know you said you listen to a lot of podcasts, but if you're in the groove, what's your daily music playlist? Oh, it's like really bad, but so good. Nineties country. Wow. Nineties country. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, now like South Carolina country or like Texas country. We're talking like probably Garth Brooks okay. and uh, Trisha Yearwood, stuff oh, like great. that. Have you ever seen them play live? No, but Garth Brooks, I will see him. I, he's on my list. We he's saw top him in, on my list. We saw him in Dallas a couple of years ago, and it was it was just extraordinary. Amazing. Yep. Oh, I think he's the man. He, I think he did four nights in Dallas and sold out every single night within a 24 hours of releasing tickets across all four nights. It was, it well, was I have incre- some, incredible. I have so much, I have so much respect for him because he doesn't, you cannot get his music anywhere online. And so I feel like that's why his concerts do so well is no one, unless you buy an old school CD, you really can't get, you don't have access to his music. It's, I, I hadn't even thought about it that way. That's that's um, that's a unique choice for Mr. Brooks. Um, okay, yeah, so man. <laughs> drink of choice. What's your, you said lemon water earlier, but I would imagine that's probably not your favorite drink of all time. What is your wake up drink of choice and your wind down drink of choice? My wind down, I'll start with that, is definitely like a margarita on the rocks with, a, with, some, with some lots of salt. Um, my, my wake up, uh, probably... An almond milk latte. Almond milk latte. Okay, I, I I just cannot get behind almond milk. I really do not like <laughs> the flavor, taste, or texture, whatever it is. I get that. If I could drink half and half, I would do it. But I just I'm I'm trying to be good and trying to use almond milk. Yep. What would your last meal be? My last meal would be probably from a restaurant, like a really old school restaurant in Greenville. It's Italian. Delicious. Um, do you have any particularly strong pet peeves? Um, I don't like when people smack their food or when when they breathe really heavy. <laughs> that uh, my wife has almost murdered me because apparently I smack my food sometimes. So <laughs> next time we see each other, I'll make sure that I'm either don't have food or I am particularly tight lipped. Oh my gosh! Oh uh, my gosh! What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast, um, I love NPR's How I Built This. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, yeah. How much of your monthly spend is Amazon? Oh, Lord. Too much. Yeah. I love Amazon. Yep. It's a, it's a problem. It's an amazing solution, it's, but it's a, it's a whole new problem. Yeah. It's an addiction for sure. Um. What TV show could you watch over and over again? Um, this is horrible, and I probably should not even say it out loud. But embrace it. I could watch, I could watch Southern Charm on repeat <laughs> all day, every day, and I could watch the same episode, and I wouldn't even care. That's not horrible. That's fine. It could have gone a lot of different. I directions. love it so much. <laughs> um, what's your favorite article of clothing? Favorite article of clothing, probably uh, like. Probably like Lululemon workout pants, something yeah. stretchy. Something stretchy. There's no reason not to have stretchy clothes. Uh, That's right. Do you love cardio or hate cardio? I love it. I think you're lying, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? 
definitely little horses. Okay. We'll see. There's a, there's a very mixed bag of responses to this question. So Interesting. I'm curious to see terrifying. as these, as these responses stack up, I'm going to run a trend analysis. That's, that's, that's amazing. I asked you earlier what your favorite, uh, if you could go anywhere for a month, where would it be? And you said Southern California. So I'll ask your favorite destination. Is there one place that you love to go the most in Southern California? Um, probably San Diego. Yeah. Beautiful down there. And last, what is the best gift you've ever received? Best gift I've ever received, a puppy. Oh my goodness, you received a puppy. That is quite a gift. It was the best. That is wonderful. Well, I don't think any there's any better ending than knowing that you received a puppy as a closing thought for people <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed getting to chat. Um, obviously, I had a lot of questions about art and the business of art and how you approach your art. So hopefully this was an educational experience for people listening as well. Um, DorothyShane.com is a place where people can go buy your work. If people have feedback or want to ask you questions, how can they find you online? What's the best place on Instagram? Um, it's my name, Dorothy, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y underscore Shane, S-H-A-I-N. And just that's on Instagram. Excellent. Well, everybody, uh, thank you for listening to this. Dorothy, thank you for the time. Hopefully this brings in some new fans of your work because it is truly beautiful. And it was a privilege to be able to hear a little bit more about your story. Thanks so much, Dorothy. I can't thank you enough. This was awesome. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you.